first question. What would you say is the most influential book of the Bible for your personal life? Well, that's a tough question because I go through seasons. Right now, I'm really hooked on Galatians. Uh, but I mean, the most influential book in general for believers is probably Romans. But uh, I'm not really sure. I think it just varies. You know, I think that the, the Word of God in general is obviously the most profitable thing that we can do. I think that outside of receiving Jesus Christ, the best decision that you can make daily is to read the Bible. Is the word of God so often we search for words from God? Yo, give me a word, you know, give me a rhema word. And he's like, Yo, how about uh, how about this? You know, Logos. You know, there's like a thousand pages here that are written to you. Start reading that. You know, the more that you understand God's word, too, the easier it is to just learn the rhema word of God, too. That's the word I never hear from God. If you try not reading his word, you can't understand his voice. You know? I can, if my wife was here right now, she walked in the back room. Uh, competency. Are they competent? 
big books, and he would read them from beginning to end. He would learn how to do it. And I was like, well, I think you're probably competent in just about anything. He would learn how to do it. So I want people who are competent, they can do the job. But number two, the second thing, I want people that I can trust. Okay, so I always tell my team, competency and trust. If I can't trust you, I don't care how competent you are. Uh, we, have a, we have a saying on our staff where we have like a code that we live by. We call it the United Staff Code. United is our student ministry, and, uh, and we say one of the one of the five things that we say is um, is that we stand united. Uh, we say that we will critique privately, but we'll stand united publicly. In other words, I have no problem with somebody coming to me privately and saying, "Jordan, I disagree with that decision." I open that. I welcome that. I actually consider that honor. I want my staff to, to let me know when they disagree with something because I don't want to be that guy who thinks that they have all the right answers and that my way is the best way. There's people on my team who are more gifted at certain things than I'm gifted at, and so I want them to be able to critique me privately. But if I say, no, we're not doing it that way, then when we leave and we go to the public, they better stand by my decision. They better act like my decision was their decision too. And if I can't trust that that's going to happen, you're off the team, you know? It's like uh, I heard somebody say, Sam, Sam Chan, he's a church consultant, he said this. He said, Somebody ever talks bad about you? You say this. You say this. Go. Go. And that's it. You know, it's like real simple. Like, can't do more. He's like, nope. You just tell him go. I'm like, that's it. Like, go. Get out of here. You know, you're done. If I can't trust you, you're not faithful. Then, then, then you're gone. So two things: competency and trust. And that goes for my leaders. It goes for all of them. We've uh, we picked the leaders off of our team. We picked them off of our team. Get them out of your house. You know, get them out of your house. 
Is it okay to move away from your home church for a job or for school? Great question. I think and believe wholeheartedly. Ephesians chapter five verse twenty-five tells us that Christ died for the church. Okay, so Jesus Christ did not die for a job. Jesus Christ did not die for a relationship. He died for the church. That's beautiful, dude. I think wholeheartedly that God calls you to a church, not to a person or to a job. He calls you to a church. Now, when you find that church, I believe that then you'll find that job, the right job, and the right person. Listen, I had a great position. I graduated from from Rama to Bible School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, there in 2005. I went back to my home church. Great church, phenomenal church. I grew up in that church. I love that church. The senior pastor is my uncle. I love that. I believe in that church to this day. My family still goes to that church. It's in PA, just west of Philadelphia. West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground, where I spent most of my days. I was, I was honestly, I was just chilling out, acting. I was just acting all cool. I was seeing some people outside of school. There was a couple of guys. They were at, you know, I told you the story already. They were up to no good, exactly. They were, bro. They were making trouble in my neighborhood. It was crazy. So I got into a fight, but my mom, he, dude, she did. She got scared. I told him, like, you're going to go move with your auntie and uncle. But it, it, it didn't say Bel Air, though. So that was unfortunate. But so I, so I go to Rayma, right? I go to Bible school. And, um, and you know, and I, and I was taught at Rayma that said, now you go back to your home church. Now you go implement and take what you learn back to your home church. So, so I go back, and fortunately, um, my pastor gave me, a, gave me a job as a part time early golf pastor. I loved it. I was enjoying it. I was having a good time doing it. And then uh, me and my wife were deciding, you know, we, had, we made a decision to get married, so I'm right about it. But we didn't have peace about staying in PA. But I could not understand why I was supposed to move to Ohio. That's where my wife was from, Ohio, and I was from PA. But I've got a job here. I'm supposed to stay here. It's a good church. We just felt like God was calling us to that church in Ohio. I didn't have a job there. I didn't even really have many friends there. It made no sense at all for me to move. I was leaving my job that I just got. I felt bad about it because it's my uncle's church. I grew up in that church. I loved my uncle and I loved the church and I loved the people. I loved my family. I didn't think God was calling us to that church. I got there. One thing led to another, and, and here I am today. And so I think that I should answer the question simply. the job relationship. Is it okay to move? Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I guess there's exceptions to every rule. I'm not trying to make a rule out of it. I don't want to, you know, make a theology out of it, but that would be my answer. Because he is. Yes, ma'am. Unless there's, that's so good. Right there. So good. You guys hear her? Over here? Yeah. That's so good. Yes. And I met with my pastor beforehand. Yeah, let me make that very clear. In fact, we prayed together beforehand. Because I was struggling with it. It was him. with my pastor actually told me. He's like, Jordan, he says, I think that you're supposed to know. I think I, I feel this is the reason you're supposed to know. So, so yeah, there was a total blessing to do that. Um, and to this day, whenever I go home, I, I almost always, I mean, I more times than not when I go back to visit my family, Say something? 
Yeah. Uh, just real briefly, every person I've ever seen leave their home church for a job or for school and tell me that when I get there, I'm going to find a good local church or I already know of a good local church that I'm going to go to, 99.9% it never happens. So I'm just saying the track record's there for everybody that's like, I even know a good local church to go to and I'm going to go there when I get there. They know. Like I said, 99.9% of the time, I'm just a focus baby. So, you even want to get away from your real friends and family. That's the trick. <laughs> the people that are going to keep you accountable, though. Majority of the time, they answer. But, I'm not preaching. I promise. Here's a question How do you know if you're walking in the right ministry of health or calling? If you're serving this right. You can't get serving the church wrong. Go ahead. That's it right there. You know. I mean, what did Jesus say? He said, I came to what? To serve, not to be served. He didn't say, I came to serve specifically in this particular area. He said, no, I came to serve. If you're serving, you can't get it wrong. Now, I would say this, though. It's a standard here. We all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have different abilities. Um, so, so, if there's a need in the church, fill it. If you, if you can fill it, fill it. You know, if there's a need in the Fulfill the need. You know, it helps the mission of the local church. Local church needs to go to the world. Jesus Christ died for the church. So, but, 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 um, also, I think that there are niches that you can find where, where maybe you never knew that you were good at, at the technical side of, of church and, and sound and, and, and lights and stuff. Or maybe you never knew that, that you really loved working in, um, in uh, you know, uh, the kids' ministry or whatever. So, I would say try different things out, but don't jump from one thing to the next without the approval of the people who are over that. It's really hard to church when, when you have inconsistent leaders who are under you, when they're like, they show up one week and don't show up the next week. You know, if you want to change something, you want to make a lasting impact, keep showing up. You know, don't stop showing up. So it's not going to be nice. Still like some questions. Why are you so fascinated with the Cavaliers? Oh, that's a great question. You know, when LeBron James left, I didn't really care about the Cavaliers, but when he left, I felt so bad for that city. <laughs> I did. You know, I didn't grow up around Cleveland. I grew up around Philly. So I'm actually a Philadelphia 76ers fan. That's my number one team. But I just feel bad for them. You know, like it's still pity. You know, it's probably not like a real compassion. It's just pity. You know? So in my family, like my wife and her brother, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, they're gonna, they all love the Cavs. So I'm just like, I feel bad that you guys have to watch them lose so frequently. So it's like, I'm just going to pray for it. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to pray for it. Here's another one. Is it bad to be in a relationship with someone that knows they should live for God but hasn't yet made the commitment in their life? Yes. Okay. Excuse me. What kind of relationship are you in? I don't know. Okay. Too many details. That's hard to say. If it's a friend, um, first off, if you're not strong enough and mature enough, you know, you guys have probably heard this analogy before, but just in case, just in case you have to, you know, if somebody is, uh, if somebody is, 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 is not as strong as you spiritually, and you're constantly trying to pull them up, pull them up, they're going to pull you down. You know what I'm saying? It's so hard to stand here pulling somebody 
kidding. I'm totally kidding. I wouldn't mind it. But like he said, the, the best way is first of all, just get involved in service. That's going to help him. But also, be a financial support to the church. Oh, yeah. You know, because a lot of Christians are in a dead weight to the church. It's like, well, you really, your heart's not really in it because Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart's also. So, if you say your heart's with the church and you're not a giver, That's the best way to just start giving and start serving. That's the best way to start serving. Pray. Pray to make it today. What's the effect of my life now? Just kidding. Can When you feel like your heart and your motives are getting off track in an area, how do you address that? That's so good. That's a great, great, great question. Okay, so I think number one, I love what I love what Lord just said. Um, Right before you said it, I was like, I'm going to add that to it, but you said it. Give. Give. Your heart and your motives will always follow your giving. You will. Maybe you don't have money, then then give your time, give your energy, give your prayers. But begin to give, and your motives and your heart will follow that. Will follow that. It's funny because a couple weeks ago, I told a young person that they they were were, were, were a college student.
big thing I was talking to you about last night a little bit. Surrounding myself with people who are much bigger than me, uh, better than me. Uh, you know, I uh, I make a really intentional effort. I live this a little bit with my dad. I make sure I'm never the smartest person in the room. Uh, so no matter what I'm, no matter what I'm just doing or trying to do or what I feel like God is leading us to, I make sure that I'm not the smartest person in the room. Because uh, I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to stay sharp. I want to stay strong. I want to stay proportionate. And we only hang around people who are as good as us. And uh, we'll never become better, you know. It's like I, I can become great at 
basically, you know? I'm like, we had two, you know? And, uh, or like, they were like, show a picture of something, it's like this crowd full of people, and I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why am I such a failure, you know? And, and, uh, and so I've had to really overcome that. That's been a major obstacle for me, like, just being okay being me. And, uh, and uh, I, I almost tweeted a couple weeks ago when we had one person come to Christ one night, and I felt like after I prayed, I was like, I understand how much God loves me. Um, I just feel like I can do anything. 
do it, and I thought, but I missed it. I took off, and I bit off and hit it right on the head, right on the bar. I know that God still loves me. He loves me enough. His grace is big and good enough, big enough and good enough to pick me up and put me back over where I'm supposed to be. And so, so just try my best not to fear anything. Perfect love, His love, casts out all fears. So I no longer fear uh, failure or insecurities or what people think about me and don't think about me because I'm so consumed with His perfect love. The love that has no holes, has no, no um, uh, mistakes. It's perfect. So, um, so that's kind of how I grow my faith, just understanding God's love for me. And in reading His Word, when I, when I see the promises that God laid out for me, you know, all those promises with the byproduct, the fact that He loves us. Why did He promise that all of our needs are met? Why did He promise that we could be healed? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ. Why did He give us all of these great things? Well, because He loves us. So the more I understand that, the more I'm able to believe in His promises, the more I believe in His promises, the greater my faith grows, and, and the more I'm able to walk, you know, as a man of faith and not by sight. Nothing matters. You know, like we're not talking about this last night. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it looks like because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not moved by, by, by what I see or by what I hear. I'm moved only by the Word of God. So, so my faith is just in the fact that God loves me so much that it just doesn't matter. You know, I'm not moved by any of these things. I'm only moved by God. That's it. But I'll say this. The less, the more, the, le- the less frequently, because there will be, there's sometimes there's days where I don't read God's Word properly. Like I read God's Word just for knowledge, but not for truth, as we talked about. You know, truth is applied knowledge. And, and so... And when I do that, I find that I become weak. And I begin to have thoughts. You know, I was just talking about this last night. I mean, you begin to have thoughts of, like, you know, where's this thought coming from? For me personally, it's because I've noticed that I'm not reading God's Word properly, or maybe even enough. And so I'm just not renewing my mind uh, as big as well as I should be. Feel good. Let's all just stretch. Stretch our arms out. Stretch our arms out. Behind you, high five. Chad, are you okay? Chad, still. It's going fine. I thought everybody needed that. Let's keep the blood flow moving. We just ate. Everybody still doing good? You get some out of this? Here's the question Where in the Bible does it say if you fall down? Four sixteen. Let's just somebody check in just to make sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's right. You better be right. Somebody check him out. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. It's it. Okay. So the righteous may fall seven times and get back up. The apostle Andrew Relaford confirms that you're right. You know the beauty of that scripture is uh, is, uh, is sometimes we think that the righteous will fall. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when we fall and we make a mistake, then we no longer feel righteous. The beauty of that scripture is that it declares and reveals to us that even though the righteous do fall, what makes them righteous is that they don't ever fall. What makes them righteous is that they keep getting back up. Are you guys leaving us? 
miss you guys. Say goodbye to Nashville. We love you guys. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks so much for coming. Pastor Keith, thank you. God. Let's get over Pastor Keith Rogan for being in the house. Pastor Keith, it was so good to meet you, brother. So inspired by your faith. Thank you. We'll miss you guys. How do you stay out of resentment? Resentment. Explain that to me a little bit so I can better understand it. Like resenting people? I'm thinking people. This is, yeah, right. this is going to maybe sound a little spiritual, maybe not real practical, but um, the more that I study love and think about love, uh, the more that I realize that okay, so for God to love the world, like the world, that He gave the Son up to God. Like, why should I be mad at somebody and that somebody that's not like it? You know, like, it's just, it's just, and of course, it's not always easy. You know, it's, it's of course, easier said than done. Um, but I think just the more we understand that, um, I'm just, and it's just, it's kind of funny. I just feel like everything starts with love. Okay, so there's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, is love. It's like everything is, it's like the root of it all. So for God so love, and why did he give? Because he loved. And faith works by love. And it's just kind of, everything just kind of revolves in love. And the more that we understand that, everything just kind of works itself out. And so, so I think resentment is just kind of a, you know, in one sense, it's maybe the, the uh, antonym of love. You, know, you just don't really understand love. Some people will hurt you. Sure, I'm forgiven. You know, um, and again, that's not always easy. Maybe sometimes we need help and somebody to pray for us. But ultimately, um, it's just understanding how much God loves people, all people. Uh, and it just makes it easier for us to love people. Too. That's good. A couple more questions, and we'll, uh, we'll close for the day. How do you know what to study in your Bible how long do you focus on one subject to study? Yeah. Well, those are kind of two separate things for me. My devotional life and my study life are two separate things. Um, so what we do is we soak. Now, um, is there any familiar? Anybody familiar with soak? Okay. So it, it, how we do our devotion. Um, it's real simple. So and what we do as a, as a church is we just we do uh, one chapter uh, a day of the Bible. I'm sorry, in the New Testament. And one proverb a day, um, and, uh, and it's just kind of what we do as a church family. And then we soak those scriptures. Um, soak is an acronym that stands for S O A P, Scripture Observation Application and Prayer. So we just write the scripture the that stands out to us. Uh, then we observe what does that scripture say in our own words. Then we how do we apply this to our life, and then we pray that scripture into our life. So, um, so that's my devotional life. And so how do I know what to what to what to read? I just pick my life. I can't. Paper tells me what do I do. Um, so, so I just and I and I read through. I'll I'll read through the New Testament usually three times a year. That's what I shoot for. Sometimes I get a little bit beyond that if I'm, if I'm reading ahead in the Old Testament once a year. And so my study life, um, what I study, um, that just kind of comes from just the prayer. Um, and honestly, guys, for me, it's usually not even like a word from God where I feel like like God telling me something going or or like or study. Um, Usually it's just like like in a week, but like right 
rest assured that that like I'm probably studying the right thing. So, so but so usually it's not like you know, have a beautiful son and the Lord's calling you to study. Um, usually not that. Sometimes it is, um, but usually it's like oh, wow. So now I just stumbled upon Genesis 37 and I've been studying out the life of of Joseph. And, and so um, that's kind of the two steps. The two things are the same thing. I usually do my devotions in the morning and then I study late at night. Um, but that that's totally my personality. I don't like it. I don't like it when people tell me, when people say things like, you should read your Bible first 
says that as your faith diverts you, diverts you from knowledge, knowledge, self-control, right? Um, I was like, wait a second. As your faith diverts you, diverts you out of Jesus. So I look up the original Greek word. Um, again, I don't remember the original Greek word, but the same Greek word for virtue is also uh, translated as excellence. And I started looking at this, and I thought, as your faith excellence? So I looked up this word excellence in my, in my Bible dictionary, and I began to realize it's the same thing that we think of excellence. You know, um, this is a church of excellence. You can tell by the way that they keep their, their chairs um, right. You can tell when you hang out with their leaders. You can tell when you hang out with their pastors. You can tell when you walk in the building. It's clean. It looks good. As your faith when Jesus let that woman receive Jesus in faith, believe that she was going to receive something, excellence flowed from Jesus. Excellence to give that woman total healing because she would be cleansed of her issue of blood. Well, I believe that when we as a church pursue excellence, it makes tremendous power available. I think that like, your, your, your uh, father, your husband, flows in a lot of different
guys enjoy this today? Did you enjoy the Q&A? Let's give it up to Pastor Jordan for sharing with us. Can we all stand up as we're closing here?